Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today is Thursday, October 1st, 2020. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, Donald Trump gives aid and comfort to white supremacists. That's what they have always been about. We're going to break this thing down and talk with Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas. Also, black churches are mobilizing to protect their congregations from voter suppression. Dr. Freddie Haynes joined us for that conversation out of Dallas. Online education is here for the foreseeable future, and black children who don't have access to technology and digital services could be left behind. We'll talk about how parents can become equal partners in their children's education. And LeBron James Voter Initiative is recruiting volunteers to increase the number of poll workers in black communities. We'll give you those details. An appeals court has rejected the Trump administration's attempt to end the census early, but they also are basically ignoring the court order. And Alabama Governor Kay Ivey issues an apology to the surviving fifth girl of the KKK bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church in 1963. And in California, a historic law has been passed that could establish a path to reparations for descendants of slaves. And newly released documents show that federal law enforcement officials were directed to make public comments sympathetic to Kyle Rittenhouse, the white supremacist 
charged for fatally shooting two protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Plus, today's crazy as white man is from Leesburg, Virginia. Wait until you see this clown. Folks, it is time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. All right, folks, sorry for being late to tonight's show. I was on MSNBC with R.A. Melbourne, but let's get right to it. Donald, Donald Trump continues to give aid and comfort to white supremacists. Of course, you saw him refuse to condemn the white supremacists and the Proud Boys at the debate on Tuesday night. Uh, you still continue to see him give excuses. Uh, and not only that, you don't just look at the statement. People keep saying, will he issue a statement condemning them? It's his actions. Last night in Minnesota, racist statements regarding, regarding Congressman Ilhan Omar. That is who they are. We're going to show you later some video of the Proud Boys. Also, the nonsense coming out of the White House today where Kayleigh McEnany sparred with a Fox News radio reporter. who was like, look, can you just give me some truth? Joining us right now out of Texas, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. Congresswoman, sorry to keep you waiting, but uh, we were doing two different networks now on my show here. Here's the thing. Everybody wants to say, hey, issue a statement, issue a statement. But in the Senate, the Republicans would not pass a resolution condemning white supremacy like the House did. Mitch McConnell pays lip service when what they're doing is, is actually standing with white supremacists. That's who today's Republican Party targets, white supremacists. Shame is not even the right name. Uh, you, you just simply can't describe comments uh, that when asked to clarify, as you said, words don't really count. But we remember when the president said uh, what he was going to do in quotes for the black community and asked the question, what the heck, he didn't use that word, have you got to lose? Well, we have seen now in living color what we have lost. We've got 200,000 plus dead and the majority of them, large numbers, are people of color and African-American. We've got a president who refuses to acknowledge that white supremacy is domestic terrorism and it is the major domestic ter terrorist attack or threat in the United States per his own FBI director and as well uh, per his Secretary of Homeland Security. Uh, then you have some person that publicly takes the power of the presidency and attacks a duly sitting American citizen member of Congress who is a black woman who likewise was a refugee who fought her way out of a refugee camp with her family and survived and came to the United States and is a contributing citizen of this nation, putting her life in jeopardy. And he has a massive effort across the nation to demonize black elected officials and um, election uh, leaders uh, and to take every moment he can by litigation to destroy any structure 
of voter uh, empowerment that he can find, i.e. the court case in uh, Pennsylvania, where he wants to deny state leadership's right to say if your ballot comes in three days after and postmarked appropriately, it is counted. Or in the state of Texas, where he wants to remove uh, the drop-off point where you can drop your mail ballot in to make sure that the elderly and the disabled and poor people can make sure their ballots are counted. This is a conspiracy without question, and this is a presidency that has failed and it is dangerous, I am concerned about the lives of people of color being threatened at a podium from the person who is supposed to be the commander-in-chief and supposed to be the healer and comforter of the people of the United States of America. Well, the thing, we have something to deal with. Well, the thing, Congresswoman, here, look, even in that particular debate, you had Donald Trump constantly bringing up Antifa, and he ignored when Joe Biden said that Christopher Wray, the FBI director, has talked about uh, that Antifa is an, is an ideology, not an organization, and that the greatest threat in this country is white domestic terrorism. The FBI has issued a report. You're on the Judiciary Committee. Y'all have seen that stuff. And so when you have Trump and Republicans in the House and the Senate totally ignore the reality that domestic terrorism in this country is not led by black people, it's not led by Muslims, it's not led by Latinos, it's led by largely white men. And the FBI even had a report showing how white supremacists are infiltrating the military and, and law enforcement. It's growing, Roland, and it's good to be with you. Forgive me, I'm so overwhelmed by the dangers that we're facing with respect to people's right to vote and then their actual existence, because we have someone who, as you have said, has denied actual truth. Uh, and that truth, of course, is evidenced by sworn officers of the law, Director Ray, the FBI director, and the secretary, the interim secretary of Homeland Security, who's made it clear uh, that white supremacist activity actually have caused uh, havoc with respect to lives. White supremacy killed people in El Paso. White supremacy killed the people of Mother Emanuel. White supremacy killed two officers uh, in uh, California, federal officers, uh, in terms of their mindset. The Boogaloo Boys uh, and uh, the Proud Boys were in Charlottesville, where a young woman was killed, and the language that was said showed that they had no intentions of respecting Jews or Blacks or any other people of color. And they were speaking about them not being here. In essence, I paraphrase their words, but it was a frightening, frightening display of threat uh, to people of color and who are different. So we have a situation where the president, uh, either his staff has to get him to recognize that this is an election, not a war, uh, and he cannot have war on the American people, and to ask him again, maybe, three strikes and you're out. Does he understand the necessity of condemning white supremacy? Is he standing with uh, the groups that the FBI director has called outright domestic terrorists, and the number one domestic terrorism or terrorist in the nation comes from the movement of white supremacy and white nationalism. Uh, this is nothing to play with. It is serious. And I just want to take a moment, because I know Ilham Omar. We work together. We've traveled together. We were together uh, in the merciless violence against George Floyd. His family suffers every day. They live in my area and constituency. 
And I pray for them as I do for all of those who have lost loved ones through this acts of police misconduct. But when you take after a member of Congress who is in fact a federal officer, it is a felony uh, to perpetrate an act against a violent act or an act against a member of Congress to cause them harm or for them to lose their life if it is a violent act. And for the leading voice, commander in chief, president of the United States, to make uh, horrific fun, demeaning fun, over someone who has walked the same path of refugees who have come to this nation for decades and have taken their rightful place as citizens of the United States, fleeing violence themselves, she as a child. Uh, and to do this with disdain, uh, with dark humor, with everyone laughing, I believe is really, uh, if it is not the debate, if it is not the failed COVID-19 policies, uh, if it is not uh, the uh, tragedy of 200,000 people who passed, or passed away, and let me be very clear, no, he did not bring COVID-19 here, but his failed policies and inaction and making light of wearing a mask, that doctors said that if we had started wearing a mask in February, 100,000 people uh, could have been saved or thousands, tens upon thousands could have been saved. So my point is that we are on dangerous ground. Uh, and when you don't listen to your authority, your FBI who are dealing with intelligence every single day that comes from their agents across the nation, I deal with them as a senior member of the Judiciary Committee, then we have a crisis. When the Attorney General of the United States your personal lawyer, asked by me in the Judiciary Committee, says, uh, are, is there systemic, or I asked the question, is there systemic racism and institutional racism in the United States? And they cannot answer, or they say, I don't believe so. We have a serious problem, and the election is going to be the key element of change. And I can't imagine any American of good faith, beliefs in our values, is not voting like they've never voted before. It is a life or death matter. Absolutely. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson-Lee, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Thank you for having me. All right, folks, I told you the Proud Boys are a dangerous far right wing white supremacist group, and they have vowed that they will actually kill people. Watch this video. This country has seen a rise in violence by white supremacists. A hate group known as the Proud Boys. Knock the crap out of them, would you? Seriously, very fine people on both sides. Maybe you should have been roughed up. The FBI said the Proud Boys are responsible for some of the violence in Portland and elsewhere. Right-wing extremists were linked to at least 50 murders last year. They do supposedly like me. When pressed today at the White House uh, on this very issue, Kaylee McEnany just sat there, lied her ass off. Watch this. Members of this group give voice to these misogynistic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant views. They're a despicable group by pretty much anyone's 
standards. So when the president was asked about them and you say he denounced them, that's what you're insisting that he did on the debate stage the other night. If that's the case, then why are they celebrating what the president said on the debate stage in front of millions of people? Well, I don't speak for that group, so I'm not sure why you're asking me why they're saying but a I certain thing. If someone denounced you, you probably wouldn't put it on a T-shirt and make badges of it, right? The president did denounce them. He was asked, will you tell them to stand down? He said, sure. He went on to stand. By, which seems like an instruction. He said, stand back. And then just yesterday when he was asked, he said specifically, stand down, um, a synonym with stand back. And the president said, sure, when asked by the moderator whether they should stand down. So, so again, said, another, it's, it's really interesting, too, to see that the media seems to be the only one putting the names of these groups into headlines, into media reporting. Uh, he didn't know who the Proud Boys were. The first time I heard of them was in the debate. Uh, but the media uh, continues to put these names into circulation and give them a lot of public attention. But given about Justin. 12 hours, more than that, since from the debate from when he was asked to clarify yesterday. And he didn't come out and clarify yesterday. Instead, he did what you did when John asked you to unambiguously denounce these groups. You just pointed to past things that you've said. You can't, I just don't understand why you knew you were going to get these questions and you don't have a statement ready to just say, we do unambiguously denounce these groups. Hey, and you know what is, do you know why people have lost trust in the media? There was a reporter from your network yesterday, your network, and in a tweet said, quote, the president. I'm asking you a question. What, I, I don't even know what you're going to bring up, but that has nothing to do with what I'm here, asking you I right sat now. here when you lobbed your partisan attack question, so you will allow me to give an answer. The president and someone from your network said yesterday in a tweet, the president dodged a question about white supremacy. That was a tweet from a CNN reporter. The president specifically, verbatim, was asked yesterday, white supremacy, do you denounce them? To which he responded, I have always denounced any form of that. Those are the facts. And CNN, I know that truth is of no moment to your network, but those are the facts. They're not the and facts. Why are Republicans, Republicans are calling on the thanks president to be more forceful? His own party. Want to see how these how these racist pride boys operate? This one posted this video today. I don't know if a lot of y'all understand this or not. But come November, there's a war coming. Whoever wins, it's down to two. We already know this. Third party, they don't even matter. It's down to two. One or the other is going to win. As a certain supporter, we know which one's going to win. Trump 2020. But there's a thing about it. The reason why I say there's a war coming is because if Trump wins, Black Lives Matter and all them other Antifa dumbasses are going to try to start war. We ready. Don't worry. We, we ready. Us rednecks and stuff, we ready for y'all. But if Biden wins... We coming, and we coming strong. All right, folks, let's bring in my panel. Eric Savage Wilson, host Savage Politics Podcast. Dr. Greg Carr, chair, Department of African-American Studies, Howard University, Reese Colbert, Black Women's Views. Uh, and uh, joining me, Dr. Frederick Haynes III. He is senior pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church uh, in Dallas. Uh, the thing that I was just laying out on MSNBC, Freddie, is that when we talk about uh, what's going on here? All these folk are all caught up in. Oh, uh, are you going to release a statement? Are you going to say this here? No, 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 no. Your actions. When the man stands last night, if y'all got that clip, put, get it ready. When the man stands up and condemns Congresswoman Ilhan Omar 
and then blast refugees and then say, how does she tell us what to do in our country? She's an American. So what Donald Trump is saying to those white folks in Minnesota, a supposed blue state, which he almost won in 2016, and because in rural Minnesota, they are very far right wing, he is, what he is saying is to that black Muslim congresswoman, you ain't one of us. This is our white country. That's what Donald Trump is saying in Minnesota and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and all across this nation. Freddie, you're on mute. You're on mute. The other day. There we go. There we go. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, the other day, uh, this went from being a cold civil war uh, where there was, what, a civil war that was undeclared. Uh, he sounded the bugle. Uh, on Tuesday night during his debate. And of course, as you just pointed out, thank you for that. Whenever he wants to vehemently denounce or speak to an issue, he's quite articulate for him. Of course, he becomes real inarticulate when it comes to denouncing white supremacy. But we get that because you're not going to denounce what you already are. And so what he is doing, he has sounded the bugle. The bugle basically is a war cry, and he is setting the stage for what has been a divided country, a cold civil war, to now become basically a reenactment of the 1860s. And so all of this is being done by the racist in chief. His people know when he is calling for them to speak up and not only speak up, but to take arms. And so you've given us the clear evidence right there that they have heard their commander in chief declare war and they have specifically labeled the enemy as people of color, people who are black, people who are part of Antifa, of course, but all of that is the result of hearing from their commander-in-chief. The war has been declared. Uh, this is last night. This is what I'm talking about. This is last night, y'all, in Minnesota. Listen to what this white supremacist says. You got to change it. Who's going to do what we've done for you? Right? Another massive issue for Minnesota is the election of Joe Biden's plan to inundate your state with a historic flood of refugees. <laughs> Biden and crazy Bernie Sanders have agreed on a manifesto. Did you see last night? I didn't agree. I didn't agree after the show. They said, oh, actually, he did. Oh, great. They fact-checked. They found out he made a mistake, slight mistake. It's the worst thing you've ever seen. But they pledged a 700% increase in refugees. 700%. Congratulations, Minnesota. Congratulations. Now, and what about Omar, where she gets caught harvesting? What the hell is going on? I hope your U.S. attorney is involved. What? What is going on with Omar? I've been reading these reports for two years about how corrupt and crooked she is. Let's get with it. Let's get with it. I mean, frankly, harvesting's terrible, but it's the least of the things that she has done. How the hell? Then she tells us how to run our country. Can you believe it? How the hell did Minnesota elect her? What the hell is wrong with you people? Right? What the hell happened? These guys in the stand up. 
Are you, are you a big fan of Omar? I don't think so. Stand up. Look at this guy. It looks like nobody's going to fight him. I don't think you're a big fan of Omar, right? No, she's been crooked for a long time. This is the least of it. It's time. And you know what? AOC also. It's time. It's time. You take a look at what they, the corruption, the disgusting corruption. 700% increase, refugees coming from the most dangerous places in the world, including Yemen, Syria, and your favorite country, Somalia, right? You love Somalia. This guy loves Somalia. Biden will turn Minnesota into a refugee camp, and he said that. Overwhelming public resources, overcrowding schools, and inundating your hospitals. You know that. That's real clear, Greg Carr. I love it, man. I'm embracing it with both hands. Finally, finally, after two hundred and a third, two and a third centuries, we're going to get this over with. Uh, in the words of Donald Trump, it's time. I embrace Donald John Trump. I embrace every racist, white nationalist terrorist who was in Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, this is the hundredth anniversary of a lynching of three young brothers who were working with the traveling circus in Duluth. There's a reason he was in Duluth, Minnesota um, last night. I embrace it. I embrace his chief propagandist, McEnany. Who was, not, who was moved from white nationalist to white nationalist terrorist. That's what you do with propaganda, agent of, of Goebbels. This is, this is Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. So in the words of mm -hmm. Donald John Trump, it's time. When Donald Trump says, let's get with it, that's the same spirit and energy he brought to what he said to Joe Biden and Chris uh, Wallace and the country. Uh, stand by. These aren't misstatements. Now, the words there that seem coherent, written by Stephen Miller, I have no doubt. The, 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 little, the little dwarf, the, 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 the gnomish dwarf that sits in the White House spewing his hatred. It's time. It's time to break their political bats. When, when McNamee asked that reporter uh, whether she was being, she said, told her she was being a partisan, I absolutely embrace and agree with that. She was being partisan. Here's the partisanship, human beings. It's human beings versus white nationalist terrorists. The line is clear. Make a choice. It's time. Uh, Reese, this is also Trump last night, and the crazy thing is when you talk about low-income housing, hey, that's a whole <laughs> that's a whole bunch of white folks, but mm -hmm. that's not what they think when he says stuff like this. Through Operation Warp Speed, we will develop and distribute a vaccine in record time. It's going to be very, very soon, and before the end of the year, maybe sooner than that. On November third, Minnesota will decide whether we end this pandemic defeat the virus and return to record prosperity. Either way, we're returning. Either way. We're going to have the vaccine. We're rounding the turn. Well, whether we allow Joe Biden to kill the recovery, you know, he wants to shut down. This guy says, let's shut it down. A lot of death caused by shutdown. Depression, death, drugs, alcoholism. Horrendous family fights, horrendous family fights. And he wants to destroy those suburbs by abolishing single-family zoning. All of these things are just a horrible thing, he, what he wants to do. And I think he's going to do it, because he's not smart enough to understand that the other side has big problems. You know, we did something great. We had the greatest economy in history, and we had to close it down, because we would have lost millions of lives. And now we're opening it up. And that he wants to destroy suburbs. Reese, what he's saying is, white people, he wants to bring in those colored folk in your neighborhoods. It's, it's absurd. I mean, we already lived through eight years of the Obama-Biden administration. 
did the suburbs get destroyed by then? No, the suburbs were destroyed by the housing market crash that was caused by the Republicans and George W. Bush and his policies. Listen, my, I, I, I might be in the minority here. I'm not concerned about these white nationalist punks like the Proud Boys and all these other people. Because to be honest, and I'm not saying this to be cruel, they're after the white folks. If you notice, if they up in Portland and uh, Seattle and these other white cities acting a doggone fool. They're not coming to Watts. They're not even coming to D.C. with that because I remember when they had the little white nationalist parade in D.C., they had they were flanked by police officers. They had uh, their face completely covered up and they marched their ass into the Target parking lot and went home very quietly. So they're not really about that action. What I'm concerned about is the white nationalist administration. This is not an infiltration. This is a complete takeover. And they're being blatant about it. And another four years is going to cause unprecedented damage to our communities. These punks with these guns and these YouTube videos, screw them. It's the president who's a clear and present danger to this entire country. But Erica, and white folks right? should be concerned because the, 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 the Proud Boys feel more comfortable going after them than they do going after us. So the solution to that is to overwhelmingly elect Joe Biden and take the reins out of Donald Trump and his white nationalist government. But Erica, but here's the here's why I got to push back on Reese there. Because of what I said about that FBI report, I want you and Freddie Haynes to speak to this. Because when they say white supremacists have infiltrated the military and law enforcement, we saw what happened in Kenosha with law enforcement. They threw bottles of water at Kyle Rittenhouse and those white guys with guns. There are other videos where the cops in Portland were telling the Proud Boys, you know what, we glad you guys are out here. March on this side of the street. And so the problem is when you have white supremacists now with badges and guns. That's mm -hmm. see this this is I'm not this is not just administration. The issue is now it's in law enforcement. Now and there in our neighborhoods. When that group uncovered we had the woman on when they uncovered that Facebook group, all the racist comments that were being said in that private Facebook Facebook group. When you've had white cops who've been fired in Florida, in San Francisco, Philadelphia, St. Louis, different parts of the country. That's what's going on because the Proud Boys, they are targeting those kind of people, white men and white women who are in law enforcement and the military. Right, Roland. And as I've mentioned on this show numerous times, I am a veteran of the United States Air Force. And so we were sworn an oath. Um, I, I swore an oath over 20 years ago to protect this country from all um, enemies, both foreign and domestic. And that is exactly what Donald John Trump, since he wants to drag in the <laughs> refugee piece, Donald John mm. Trump Jr., um, he is the latter. He is, in fact, a domestic terrorist. When we look at the way that he's really been allowed to behave, he and his regime, it is the resurrection and redressing of George Wallace. George Wallace had executive authority over the state of Alabama, while 45 has because of his stolen Russian seat. He has authority over federal agencies. And so that 2006 FBI report that you referenced, Roland, did in fact lay out that there is an infiltration that was actively happening in law enforcement and military. And now we've seen recruitment efforts to really dovetail this into the other piece. Now we've seen that the um, these white supremacist punk groups, that they have started um, bringing in recruiting folks who are veterans, folks who are retired law enforcement. So it all fits together. It all melds together. Um, what I believe we the people 
have to demonstra demonstratively do to push back against this. I will agree absolutely with my sister Reese said around overperforming. That is turning out at the ballot box. And the fact that this uh, mediocre uh, white man came on his YouTube TikTok <laughs> channel, whatever it was, to say that he, in fact, is declaring war, um, he's doing that because he has been emboldened and empowered by a racist regime who has the son of a Klansman sitting at the head of the table. See, Freddie, the, the reason... See, here's the deal. I'm not freaking out by the Boogaloo Boys uh, and the Proud Boys. The issue is here. Take a Richard Spencer. He went to what? Private school, St. Mark in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Grew up, grew up in Highland Park in Dallas. Right. Where's Highland Park? That's where SMU is. That's where the Bush Library is. That's where basically your white money in Dallas is. And Thank so you. you have what you're what we're dealing with here, and I've been saying this since 2009. We're dealing with white fear. This is not a Trump issue, people. You had better be prepared for the next 50 years because they cannot handle the fact that America is marching towards a multicultural America. And they know you got to share power. You got to share resources. And they are like, no, we are not used to this. And that is what Trump is speaking to. Thank you. And that's why white supremacy is not just the Proud Boys. White supremacy has to do with systems of the economy, political systems that control resources. And so we have to be ready to fight on two fronts. Of course, we've got to be aware, keep our eyes open for, you know, the Proud Boys and their ilk. Roland, I'll tell you, I have a member of my church who just finished going through the police academy and shared with me that a proud boy was a part of his graduation class. So this person was able to make it through a police training program, and now he is loose on the streets. And so that's someone for us to be concerned about, because as your guest said, it's not just infiltration, it's a takeover. So on one level, we've got to keep our eyes open to the fact that these clowns have been emboldened by their racist commander-in-chief. At the same time, we have to be aware of the policies of white supremacy that have kept the structure of the United States in place. And so when you're talking about a multicultural America, when you're talking about in less than what, 20 or 30 years, we're going to be, white people will no longer be in the majority. That is something they are afraid of because white fear, what, is rooted in white guilt. They know the hell they put us through. They know the damage they've caused to us. And so their whole thing is, if black Black folk decide to do to us what we've done to them, then we are in trouble. So their white fear is rooted in their white guilt. And so as a consequence, they're doing everything they can right now to, to reinforce the infrastructure of white supremacy. That's why our racist commander-in-chief decides to forget 
protocol and let's uh, uh, not do what was done in 2016. We're going to have this person who is going to undermine everything the notorious RBG stood for. We're going to place her in as soon as possible. That's why they are infiltrating and taking over uh, the appointments of judgeships across the country because they're trying to reinforce the structure of white supremacy. And so on one level, we got to keep our eyes out on these proud boys and be ready for them. At the same time, we've got to understand, like my sister just said, we got to handle our business at the polls up through November 3rd and then be ready for a fight after November 3rd and then be ready to do all we can to completely dismantle systems of white supremacy after January 20th. Pastor Haynes, uh, when it comes to churches, uh, we know in there in Texas, uh, they extended early voting by six days, but they got rid of voting on Sunday because they didn't like black churches doing souls to the polls. And so right. uh, what in this era of COVID, uh, the final question for you, what are black churches doing to ensure that their members are not going to sit at home and, and, and sit out this election? Right. And Roland, also, you know that in Texas, they decided to make sure that you could not straight ticket vote. Yeah, they and actually, they, of course, law, law was passed in 2018, but a federal judge just actually struck it down. And we'll see if they appeal that uh, because right. that has thrown that in. But yeah, and, and because their reasoning was, well, we want people to really be thinking about who they vote for. No, they actually thought about it. They ain't vote for y'all asses. And they're targeting right. really <laughs> Dallas County where you are, Harris County in Houston, because they've been getting their butts whooped in those big counties. Exactly. And so check this out. Now the ballot, we've seen the ballot. It's going to take 20 to 30 minutes to go through that ballot. So when you look at the lines, and all that's going to take place on election day, that is going to preclude those of us who work from actually spending that kind of time at the polls. And so what the churches are doing in Dallas County, uh, in Harris County, uh, we have gotten together and two things. Number one, we're engaging in voter education because we've got to do all we can to make sure we counter the misinformation that is out there and at the same time make sure that people know where they can vote and that when they they go to vote, they are going to be protected. Their, their, their exercising of their franchise is going to be protected. So we're engaging in voter education. We're doing that through town halls that take place via Zoom. We're doing that. Uh, I'm going to a meeting right after I leave here that, again, will be about voter education that we are hosting at the church. The next thing that we've got to do, along with voter registration, is make sure that we set the parameters for voting protection. And so that's what we're doing. Our church has been designated as a super voting site. So the whole facility, 150,000 square feet, we're going to use it as a place where we can get the maximum participation of people voting while at the same time enabling them to practice social distancing. At the same time, those who find themselves differently abled are going to be able to, to drive up and vote. And so we have pushed churches to uh, avail themselves to be voting sites like we have done at Friendship West. And at the same time, we are mobilizing our people to work the polls. And so we have a record 
record number of people who go to our black churches who are working the polls here in Dallas County, so much so that we not only have them working at Friendship West, but they're going to be working throughout the county. And then the other piece that we're doing is making sure that our brothers and sisters show up just in case they decide that they're going to patrol the polls. They're going to know that we are going to be right there patrolling them. And so the church is ready now to uh, handle business. We have registered voters. We're going to have another big campaign this coming Saturday uh, with Congresswoman Johnson. And we are at the same time doing all we can to educate people about racists around the country. Roland, you know this. I had a conversation with Congresswoman Maxine Waters earlier today. And of course, Republicans have put $4 million behind one who looks like us but thinks like Cameron uh, up in Kentucky to run against Maxine Waters. And so we're also using our platforms to educate our people that all who are our color ain't necessarily our kind, and we've got to support them. And so we're even planning, though I'm in Dallas, to do what we can to support uh, our uh, awesome Congresswoman Maxine Waters, Barbara Lee and Sheila Jackson Lee and others around the country who were facing challenges. And so that's what we can do as pastors, as individual citizens, while at the same time mobilizing our members and making our churches available. Reverend Frederick Ellis Haynes, I certainly appreciate it, man. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Um, Greg, the thing that, and, and I've had people hit me up, they like, man, uh, why are you so passionate about this i'm like because <laughs> we better understand this ain't a, this ain't just about us this is children's children when you look at the courts when you look at the fact that again gorsuch 53 kavanaugh 55 this woman amy coney barrett is trying to put on she's 48 you look at uh you look at sam alito 70 clarence thomas 72 you look at uh john roberts 65. You're talking about folks who on the low end, if you, use R, you lose Ruth Bader Ginsburg down at 87, on the low end, they're going to be there for the next 15 years. On the high end, 39 years. That's why there's a sense of urgency. Absolutely, Roland. Um, we're at a moment when we're looking at uh, really an inflection point. This country is going to become something very different in the month of November than it has been in the two and the third centuries, uh, than it was the two and the third centuries prior. That may sound alarmist, but people need to understand, if you understand history, if you study history, you understand that this, this thing is really getting ready to change. Uh, the federal bench has an outsized influence. I've been in conversation with folks who you know, are saying, well, the, the Supreme Court isn't that important, or if it is, we need to make it less important. It very well happen if Trump steals this election and is put back in for four more years. Uh, we might see the delegitimization of the federal bench. Uh, later, when you talk about the the the, uh, the the census ruling from the Ninth Circuit that just came down, the two of those three judges, including the sister, Johnny Rawlinson, were appointed, which Rawlinson was appointed by Clinton, and uh, the second judge, a uh, white woman who ruled with her, was appointed by Obama. The third judge, the one who dissented in that census case, is 42 years old. He's one of those 41, he was 41 when they nominated bench there you last go. year, a, 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 a right-wing ideologue who helped coach just Justice uh, McConnell, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh. He was on their prep teams, in fact, and 
who also helped write policy to argue for the separation of children at the border. That's who dissented in the census case you're going to talk about, Roland. This, this federal judiciary, federal law is made by district court judges and circuit court judges, as we talked about last week. And when you went through yesterday with Scott, as y'all were talking about this case in Louisville, who the judges makes a lot of difference. And finally, right. I'll say this. All you have to do is listen to Trump in Duluth yesterday. Um, first of all, his, his hatred for women, which I absolutely understand, I agree with Freddie Haynes, it's driven by fear. Uh, his manhood, small and, 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 and shriveled as it is, is something that he is fairly, he's fairly severely challenged by women. But his cold words for them, when he talks about something being disgusting, that's a cold word not only for women, but for black women. When he attacks Ilhan Omar and Alessandria Ocasio-Cortez, he's attacking black women. Right. When he says, you know, let's get with it. Uh, he says, you know, what, what the hell are y'all doing up here? They're attacking our country. I embrace that, Roland. i tell you why I say I embrace that. I would rather a white national supremacist, when he says our country, say it with his chest, no matter how tiny it is, as is the case of Donald Trump. Because when you say our country, you don't mean me. And right. when you draw that line, anybody who is with me, not, they don't mean me, they don't mean Reese, they don't mean Erica, they don't mean you, they don't mean Freddie Haynes, they don't mean Sheila Jackson Lee. We, as far as they are concerned, are not human. And guess what? That feeling is mutual. So this is nothing to play with. This is nothing to play with. You can't convince a white nationalist terrorist like that. Because what happened, say this, in Duluth yesterday, there was a cameraman attacked from WCCO, a photojournalist who was attacked by one of those fascists you just talked about, uh, Roland, just before it started. These people are going to be in the street. They're going to be in the street. This is this country's perhaps final chance to avoid another civil war. And as Freddie Haynes said, it ain't going to be no cold civil war. It's going to be a hot one. This, the thing that we've been talking about, Reese, is infrastructure, 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 not just sitting here saying, oh, just vote no planning forward. Remember, back in September, the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, and more than, and more than a vote, an initiative led by LeBron James, formally launched the We Got Next advertising campaign to recruit young people to serve as poll workers during the 2020 general election. Here's their ad. We got an opportunity a responsibility, not just to ourselves. We got a legacy to uphold, people to make proud. So we got to take advantage of the moment, of the momentum. We got to protect our power, be the vanguards of our own voices. We got to keep doing the work because our right to be heard won't be taken away on our watch. We got this, we got next. Reese, since it was announced, they have recruited 10,000 volunteers. In a news release, the organizations said the second phase of their push would be aimed at 11 cities where significant poll workers shortages remain. Those cities include black voter hubs in the South, like Birmingham, Jackson, Mississippi, Houston, San Antonio, and Montgomery, Alabama, as well as cities with significant black populations in critical battleground states, Charlotte, Cleveland, Detroit, Flint, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia. This is what I'm constantly talking about, what I was saying to Ice Cube, what I was saying to Diddy, what I was saying to the rest of these folks. You can't just make statements. You got to put together infrastructure. Absolutely. And uh, this is exactly why I said I'm not as concerned about the Proud Boys and all their bluster, because you're going to have 
Record number of black people, like uh, Pastor Haynes said, patrolling the people who think they're going to come and patrol us. Um, the infrastructure, the infiltration, all that stuff, I did acknowledge that. But I mean, in terms of what's going to happen and who's going to show up, we're ready for them. We are going to vote come hell or high water. So these kinds of initiatives are incredibly important. It's not just good enough to say, vote. We have to have a voting plan. That's something we've been talking about for months on this show. Have a voting plan A, a plan B, and a plan C, because even as the election is going on, you have the Texas governor, as you mentioned earlier, Abbott, who is closing down ballot drop boxes. And so now you have to have a plan B if you're a voting absentee. If you can if you can vote early, if you can vote for absentee ballot, then work the polls. If for no other reason, just so that people ha see our presence and they're not intimidated by these people that are out there to try to create havoc, like they did in, in, in Virginia, where, where the Trump supporters showed up at the... Uh, at the early vote site and tried to intimidate people. Of course, black people can't call the police because we ain't trying to get shot by the police by siding with, with, right. with these crazy people. So we need to dominate the polls with our presence, work the polls, help out those that are in need. And we need to make sure that not only do we submit our ballots, but that we fill them out properly, that we thought we follow all of the instructions, including the kind of ink that's being used. So we need voter education in North Carolina. I believe it was the, the, the black rejection rate is twice that of the white rejection rate. And so there are a lot of things that we need to do infrastructure wise so that we not only have the presence at the polls, but that our ballots actually get Count it. Uh, Erica, the reason I keep talking about how we link white supremacy, a federal appeals court has denied the Trump administration's request to temporarily block a lower court order that extends the 2020 census schedule. The Census Bureau will continue accounting as ordered by the lower court for now, according to the new ruling by the ninth U.S. Circuit Judge Johnny Rollinson and Judge Morgan Christian, who are part of a three-judge panel. Rollinson and Christian wrote in their order, given the extraordinary importance of the census, it is imperative that the Bureau conduct the census in a manner that is most likely to produce a workable report in which the public can have confidence. The hasty and unexplained changes to the Bureau's operations contained in the replan created in just four to five days risk undermining the Bureau's mission. Now, Erica, here's the thing that was crazy. The Commerce Secretary, Wilbur Ross, he literally was like, oh, damn the court order. So those judges have said, no, 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 no. Bring your ass in court so we can now deal with this to the point Greg was saying earlier to the people, y'all, those are federal judges. Mm -hmm. So the census is tied to the money. The census, Erica, is tied to the redrawing of districts. The census and the redrawing of districts is tied to political gerrymandering. And so the reasons Republicans have a large lead in Florida and Texas and Mississippi and Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia and Arkansas is they control the state legislature, which means they control the state Supreme Court, which means that when they pass a law, it's affirmed by the state Supreme Court. And so then the only way to stop them is when you sue and go to federal court and then you have, frankly, progressive federal judges who are not serving as their backstop. So for the people out here who keep sitting here saying, ah, man, you keep talking about Joe Biden, fool. If you get more right-wing federal judges, they are going to say, yeah, y'all can stop counting. 
which now impacts. Now, you want to talk about uh, trickle-down impact? That's a trickle-down effect, Erica. Absolutely, Roland. When we think about the vote and we think about the census, those are two uh, really big parts of the body politic uh, when you just laid it out perfectly. And we're thinking about the census and talking about redistricting. That start, that's every uh, 10 years um, that starts with the number one. So we will immediately go into redistrict the drawing of the maps, as you just shared with the viewers, on next year. Now, it is important for everybody to participate in the census, which you can still go to 2020census.gov. Roland has been running this on his show for months now. It takes 10 minutes, and it's literally 10 questions to complete. When you're talking about wanting better and having and demanding better for your community, the census is one way to do it. That when you're talking about making sure that you have representation, unlike what 45 said about Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, the census is a way to do that. This gives each and every one of us a voice because the miscount that uh, happened in 2010 is not one that the Black and other communities of color can afford. You mentioned the state legislators. In 2010, that's when we saw, in that decade, we saw state legislatures that uh, were uh, began to be controlled by Republicans because Six, of an 16, undercount. 16 state legislatures flipped <laughs> after the 2010 midterms. 16. That is unprecedented. And so when you connect that to what can be happening under the guise of COVID, under the guise of people that have been impacted negatively by COVID through their jobs, through housing, people that are fighting to stay in their homes. I know there's something really huge that's happening with New York and saying that, listen, we need rent to be canceled. This is happening all across America. Participation in these two functions of government is what's going to help. And you mentioned Wilbur Ross. It's important for viewers to understand, too, that as the secretary um, of the Department of Commerce, Commerce Department, rather, this man is a $600 million wealthy person. He is 175 years old. The way that he sees <laughs> the country is a, a way that is not going to change. So he's, um, you know, def definitely wedded to this regime's gold of making sure that immigrants or people who are undocumented Americans are locked out to make sure that black LGBTQIA communities, marginalized communities that really do have a fear of completing the census, that they will be locked out and that this apartheid state that they are desperately seeking will be locked in by both of those pieces. And the thing, the thing again, Reese, when we start looking at, looking at how these things impact Texas, Democrats, if they pick up nine seats in the House for the first time in more than I think, well, actually, I, almost 20 years, they won't control the House, which means Republicans can't politically gerrymander. Because when you do, when you do, ger when you do your districts, the House and the Senate have to agree on a bill. So this time, what's going to happen is Republicans can't completely control the process and freeze Democrats out. So I put it out today. I said, if Texas... All my people listening in Texas, vote for every Democrat running for the House. Because now, if the Democrats control the House and the Republicans control the Senate, they have to compromise on districts, and you won't see them redrawing districts where you have this imbalance like you have in Wisconsin, mm -hmm. where if Democrats won 55% of all statewide votes, 
yet Republicans control 58% of the damn legislature. And that's the same thing across the country. I mean, the Democrats overwhelmingly won the popular vote in um, in 2018, and yet the, the Republicans actually gained seats in the Senate, which is insane. So absolutely, I mean, the census touches every single part of our life. And a, a big part of the rationale that I hear from people in terms of them not wanting to vote is that they don't feel like the government is doing enough for them. Okay, well, if that's your feeling, then you better damn well vote out the, uh, fill out the census because the census is how those things start to become allocated, how those resources get to your communities. So that is the minimum that we could do. Why do we even have to beg people to vote? And why do we have to beg you to fill out your census when this is the barest of minimum? It's never been easier to, to do something that's going to directly impact your community. And guess what? If you fail to do it, then the way that your community is going to be adversely impacted is a 10-year irrevocable decision, okay? It's a 10-year thing at a minimum. And depending on, as Roland has pointed out, the way judges are put in or the way the Supreme Court of the different states are stacked, it could be even longer. So folks, fill out the damn census. White folks are doing it. So black people, Latinx people, AAPI people, Native American people, we got to do it too because we're the ones that are being undercounted and screwed for decades at a time. Well, that's the, th the thing here again, when, you, when we start looking at this thing politically, Greg, the, the, the point, and, and look, let me be real clear. I get people's frustration who say nothing has changed and I haven't seen change. Part of the deal also is not understanding civics as well. Not right. understanding, we talk about our neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. well, no, let, me, let me take it further. In order for us to understand where we live, you got to understand the country. Then you got to understand states. Then you have to understand cities. Then you have to understand neighborhoods. Then you have to understand census tracts. Then you have mm -hmm. to understand blocks. Then you got to mm -hmm. understand streets. And now you got to understand houses. And so when somebody says, well, I ain't seen no change, that's because you're not looking at, well, hold up. There's a school board. There's a city council. There's a county government. There's a water district. There are state courts. There are federal courts. There are state reps, state senators, members of the House, members of the United States Senate, and the president, and you have the judiciary. You have an entire system here. And, and for the people who are saying, well, I ain't seen nothing change. Let me help y'all out. The other folks have. Mm. Let, 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 let me help y'all out. <clears throat> the other folks have. Do you know why mm. the other folks have seen change? Because the other folk vote. There's a reason they don't want you to vote. There's a reason why Donald Trump, Greg, said to the, to, to the blacks, thank you for not voting. That's why. That yeah. is the whole point. And we have, and that's why I believe media, especially black media, has got to stop spending so much goddamn time on gossip and entertainment and sports and use the power of this medium to educate people on basic civic stuff every single day so we're not walking around grossly illiterate to what is happening in the country. Hey, Roland. Um, but you know, we can't count on them to do that. 
And if history shows us anything over the last uh, couple of generations, certainly post uh, the end of legal apartheid in this country, is that it has been a steady deterioration in media of all types, and black media is no exception. Um, as Dr. Strange told him in uh, in in Civil uh, in, in, in Marvel's uh, Avengers, we're in the end game now. We're in the end game. This is the first of October. So those young people, and I hope there are a number of young people in that ten thousand who have answered the call for from LeBron and, and the politicians and others who have come together. You know, some of my students have been talking to them, and we have these virtual conversations as we're in class and I'm encouraging them and I hope everybody else is as well. You young people, you know, vote early because election day is when early voting starts in your state. If your state has early voting. And then on November the 3rd, we're going to go back and get the folk who haven't been able to early vote because say absentee balloting is safe, but the safest way to do it is in person, as we heard said. Um, so our young people don't think just voting is enough. You know, mask up, glove up, help your elders, and get out there and vote in numbers and get your people to come out and vote. Because we're in the end game now. We got a we got a month to go. Um, the media isn't going to change in a month, but neither is Roland Martin unfiltered. So how else can you participate? Put your five, ten dollars in this Roland Martin unfiltered so the platform can go even further because we're in the end game now. It may seem people saw this is an alarmist. They say that every four years. Okay, you silly people keep saying what you're saying. It's fine. Why? Because we don't have time now to argue with y'all. We're in the end game now. Understand that California is setting itself up and has been for the last generation so that if and when this country called the United States of America fractures, it's going to fracture into regions. And if you think you're going to run out to the West Coast, to, to Washington State, or to, uh, to California, and look for protection when this uh, when this ideologue who's part of a fringe Catholic movement that's so close to the damn handmaiden tale that people can't even joke about it turns around and wipes out not just a woman's uh, choice to terminate a pregnancy, but that isn't just what Roe versus Wade is about. That's about annual pap smears. That's about health care. Do y'all understand that when this country fractures, there are going to be regions in this country that are just not going to put up with it? Texas has already flipped. The only way it hasn't flipped on the maps, on the political maps, is what you're saying, Roland. It hasn't flipped on the political maps because they've been stealing elections. And if you don't finally, if you don't think things in your neighborhood have changed, believe me, I'm with you, Roland. We understand it doesn't look that way. But y'all listen to what Erica just said. Y'all listen to what Richie just said. Take 10 minutes and fill out the census. Because trust me, when you look at who funds your schools, when you look at who funds the fire department, when your child is looking for a job in the civil service, whether it be the post office or any other government job, and finds out the job, resources are allocated in moments like this. It isn't when the decision is made to spend the dollars. It's when the decision is made not to fill out the paper that says, hey, I'm here, and add me to the role. Everybody has a role to do in this, and voting is only one action. You've got to participate. You have to fight for the world you want to build. You can't just sit back and watch it on TV and hope the 90-day fiancé and the real housewives <laughs> of Kalamazoo is going to hit you Preach. to your place. 
preach. Absolutely. Folks, Greg talked about that. Before we go to a break, if you want to join our Bring the Funk fan club to support this show, uh, you can support us by going to cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered, venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. You can also send a money order to New Vision Media, Inc., NU Vision Media, Inc., 1625 K Street Northwest, Suite 400, Washington, D.C., 2006. Uh, our goal is to get 20,000 miles supporters uh, to contribute at least 50 bucks a year. Uh, that's $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. Your, do your dollars make it possible for us to do this show every single day, for us to do uh, the to hire more people, to do more coverage, uh, to actually build this beyond a two-hour show. We, want, we trust me, uh, there are plans that go beyond that. If you're on YouTube, there are nearly 7,000 of you watching on YouTube right now. Folks, y'all can actually support us right there on YouTube, you, or you can go to RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. We often talk about, and we often say how we got to have our own. And look, I, look, I see y'all tweets. I see y'all tweets. And a lot of folks been sitting here tweeting me saying, man, we love seeing you on Ari Melba's show. MSNBC needs to give you a show. Let me help y'all out. Henry, why don't you go to a wide shot? Let, let, me, let me help y'all out, okay? This is the show. Own the lights and the, and the monitors. Own the set. Own all of this here. Uh, I'm going to put a camera in that control room so I can take some control room shots sometimes. Control room as well. I'm saying all of that, y'all. See all this here? These here are notices that fan club members have sent in. These are the ones that I actually uh, read on yesterday. Actually, I didn't read these on yesterday. Uh, it is my pleasure to support such an awesome platform by sending this personal check for 50 bucks. I would have sent a money order, but I don't get I don't get out like that. I'm 76 years old and will be 77 next month. Got to be careful, you know. Holla, I had to say that LOL, uh, signed uh, by Betty uh, Saucer. Uh, and uh, I hooked... Uh, I am, she said, I am hooked on your channel. Thanks, God bless. Uh, another notice here, and I, I'm reading these because I need y'all to understand uh, that our people uh, are supporting the show, and these are people who are all ages. Uh, I'm a subscriber uh, to your Facebook page and started watching your YouTube channel since the pandemic for the last three to four months. I really enjoyed your shows. I watch it daily. You touch on topics that are not seen on other news or very little, uh, and your panels and guests I don't see anywhere else. My favorite panel is on Thursday. Uh, Reese, Dr. Carr, and Erica tell Dr. Carr, I'm crushing on him and I will be his future wife. I enclose a $50 money order to join your Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, Why did you read that, bro? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm <laughs> reading the letter. Warm, warm regards, Chandra A. Rushmore. I'm just, I'm just hey, reading Chandra. the letter. Hey, hey, Sandra. I'm, I'm just reading the letter. Y'all don't say that. Y'all don't say that. I'm after man. I've been telling you that. No, no, I have mercy. This is the biggest show on television. They go crazy over you on Facebook. No. All right, that's enough. That's they do. They, oh, they do. They, no, I know. Doc, when Greg started talking, they were like, oh, go, Dr. Carr, go, go. Uh, okay, okay. Here's another. I'm, I'm 80 years old. I'm so proud that I'm able. Uh, Y'all take this out. I'm 80 years old, and I'm so proud that I'm able to see your see you every evening on my iPad. I don't own a TV and don't want one. You keep me okay. up to date about everything uh, that is going on. I am sending you $100 because I want you to succeed. Uh, I love you and Dr. Greg Carr. 
I also appreciate that you have so many young, beautiful, intelligent young people. Keep up the good work. Love, Mama Gwen. Go ahead, Mama Gwen. That's, Mama Gwen. That's, 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 <laughs> that's Mama Gwen. And so I got a, ca Gwen. a card here. Thank you, Roland Martin, your staff, for educating, inspiring, and uplifting the black community. Uh, sincerely, uh, Eula uh, Patrice Wright. Uh, and so I got just two more, y'all. Let's see here. All right. Uh, let's see. Okay. Hold on. Let's see here. There we go. All right. Oh, actually, this is the same one. Uh, 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 Shonda Rushmore, she forgot uh, to put her email. Shonda, we got your email. So trust me, we'll, we'll add your name to the list. Uh, and cause, yes, you the one who crushed it on Greg. Uh, and let's see here. Uh, William Hardison. Uh, you are doing a fine job. Keep up the good work. I'm a supporter, voter, and want to be a fan club member. Thank you so much for your efforts. Again, folks, uh, look, th this is why we created this thing. Y'all send me stuff. I told y'all somebody sent me the Vote With Love mask. Uh, somebody, uh, Ch Chelsea, bring me that box that's on the counter real quick. Bring it. I took a photo. Yeah, Chelsea or Lanny, go get that box, please. Uh, that's how black this show is. Hey, go get that box. <laughs> It's on, a, it's on the front counter, office counter. So a sister from Dallas, y'all, sent me. I'm going to give a shout-out. I took a picture. I meant to post it. Uh, so I'm going to do this before I go to break, y'all. Our education segment is coming up. We're starting a weekly education segment called Education Matters, uh, which is sponsored by my school choice. It's the Black Choice Initiative. That's coming up next on the show. Bring it here. So uh, this sister sent me uh, some stuff. And see, now y'all going to start sending me stuff just so y'all can get shout-outs. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, her name, her name is, uh, and I love this movement. It's called the Shut Up and Vote Movement. Uh, mm. My name is Tina Moore, founder of Moore Concierge Services, located in Dallas. As we embark upon the 2020 presidential election, I feel compelled to help change what has caused me great trepidation. I've been taught that what bothers us in the world, we're called to change. I'm sick and tired of American citizens complaining about what both sides of the aisle are not doing, particularly by African-Americans. It's been 55 years since the Voting Rights Act was signed on August 6, 1965. For the Latinos, it's the 45th anniversary of the 1975 extension of the Voting Rights Act, also signed on August 6. Both ethnic groups are grossly underrepresented at the polls, and yet together we can make a difference. I've always exercised my right to vote. I consider it a privilege and a responsibility of all American citizens to vote. With a decline in registering voters during this pandemic, I've created a T-shirt to evoke conversation and hopefully spark a response with our Latino and African-American U.S. citizens. I am beating the concrete to get as many registered to vote before the deadline. Please accept this token gift from more concierge services and let's all meet up at the polls. Uh, wishing you and yours health, peace, and happiness during these uncertain times. Tina Moore. And look, y'all should be blowing up the YouTube contributing to the Green Funk Fan Club. So check this out, y'all. So uh, this one... Uh, all right, who who's, who who's, who speaks? This this for Latinos. Callate. That what, what that mean? Shut up and vote. Callate. Callate. All right, all right, all right. That's that's the one for Latinos. Uh, <laughs> this the one for us. She sent me right here. Shut up, vote. shut up and vote. Uh, and so so Tina even sent uh, a shut up. And Tina, look, I, that big old bill. I ain't how I do a hat. You know, I come on now. <laughs> I, 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 I can't. I, I can't. I, I can't. I can't have that big ass plate uh, bills they wear. No, I, I got. I got to be in mine. Uh, and so she sent me this hat called uh, "Shut Up and Vote." Uh, that looks good. Oh, love. Yeah. Also, yeah. 
Also, we got a, a shut up and vote mask that's in here as well. Uh, and clearly, mm. and clearly, uh, I, I, I don't, maybe, maybe, Greg, Greg you smoke? No, bro. <laughs> okay, all right, because she sent me uh, a shut up and vote cigar Ooh. case. Oh, uh, with the uh, uh, hearing, don't you smoke cigars? Eric and Reese. Hey, Eric and Reese, do y'all light up those? Y'all, y'all, I love a good cigar. All right, all right, Reese. There you go. And she even uh, has the the cigar, um, um, whatever the hell they call this thing. So, there you go. All right, so Tina, uh, so Tina, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Uh, And so, thank you so very much. So, Tina Moore. So Tina, you didn't put Tina, you didn't put your website on here. If people, uh, y'all go to moreconcierge.com, m-o-o-r-e concierge.com. All right, all right. So there we go. There. So uh, please support what we do. Y'all should be giving money like crazy. And yeah, shout out to GreekTraditions.net. My frat, he sent me this. I've worn a bunch of their shirts, and so they Mm. made these for all fraternities and sororities. Uh, And so they put the crest, of course, right here uh, on the O, which is vote as well. All right, y'all, yes. got to go to a break. We come back on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Uh, we will talk Education Matters. We'll be back in a moment. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roller Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Hi, I'm Jose Antonio Vargas. I'm founder and editor of EmergingUs.com. You only have one vote. Use it. Everything that's going on right now, I think we have to look at this in a different way. We have to stop being angry and start recognizing that we do have this power and stepping into it. So I'm committing to spending the next couple of weeks. I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to register 10 people. I started last night, so I'm one down, nine to go. Hey, I'm Arnaz J. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Stay woke. Hey, I'm Amber Stevens West. Yo, what up, y'all? This is Jay Ellis, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, so this is the debut of our new segment, uh, Education Matters, sponsored by. Uh, the uh, group that my wife and I co-founded called School Choice is the Black Choice. Now, of course, uh, the issue of education is important, and we're now dealing with, of course, coronavirus, and that is uh, as positive COVID-19 testing continues to rise among students from kindergarten to college, it looks like homeschooling will be around for a while. In far too many cases, black parents lack the necessary digital resources to homeschool adequately. Black children could be left behind. Urban Tech is working to give parents the tools they need to become partners with the schools to make sure that doesn't happen. Joining me now is Patricia Bransford, founder and president of Urban Tech. So, Patricia, first of all, what is Urban Tech? What is Urban Tech? Yes. We are a 25-year nonprofit that was established to close the digital divide. 
So the first 15 years, we actually put in centers all over the country in poor communities to train people on Microsoft Office so that they were eligible for high paying jobs. We did that, put 2 million people in jobs. We now see a need to establish high tech centers in homes to extend the classroom. So, we need to train parents, we need to equip the uh, classroom homes for high tech training. So we had set aside uh, five schools to run a pilot for four, four uh, months, after which we'll be able to scale that across the city, actually across the nation. So one of the things that we're seeing, part of the issue with students checking in, we're talking about lack of lack of uh, Wi-Fi and Internet. We're talking about uh, so many different things. And this is not just African-Americans, but it's affecting white children, Latinos as well. But we are being really impacted because of the other problem is that your urban districts don't have. Uh, they're not sending laptops home with the kids and iPads and things along those lines as well. And so. Uh, the fear is that black children are going to fall further behind uh, than their white counterparts in this age of COVID. Well, we want to assure that that's not going to happen. Uh, what we're doing is raising money from uh, corporations right now to um, set up uh, high-tech centers in every household and train parents. You can't just push computers into homes and expect parents to be able to run them and be able to help their children. The key to success is a knowledgeable parent. But we think that that parent has to be given um, um, a salary, perhaps um, an honorarium, in order to do that job. It's not going to happen without a parent being co-equal to the teacher in the home. Um, one of the things that um, some districts are doing, they're sending, shouldn't be law enforcement, but they're sending people to school to make sure the kids are logging on as well. Uh, look, this thing hit, and frankly, what it, what it did, what this has done, has exposed, has exposed everything in this country in terms of our inequality. Uh, not only with education, I was talking to somebody today about how coronavirus has exposed technology uh, or, or the lack of engagement black media companies have uh, with their followers. You got people who all of a sudden, everybody and their mama trying to do Zoom town halls and conversations and ain't nobody watching uh, because they didn't have engagement. And so it's caught everyone off guard. And so with that, uh, what are you also calling on uh, community groups to do, churches to grow, to do, fraternities and sororities to do to ensure our kids uh, are not falling behind? Um, you know, I'm sorry, but you're not coming in clearly, and I didn't uh, hear that question. Yeah, and, and, and that, again, COVID has exposed uh, the weaknesses in all of these different areas. Uh, and so uh, are y'all also encouraging fraternities, uh, neighborhood groups, churches, and others to partner to create these, these tech centers, these tech centers in these homes? We're looking for, I think your question has to do with partnerships in the community. Yes. And we're absolutely looking to um, enrich the community. We want to 
do this across every community with churches, with uh, other not-for-profits. We want to build a, uh, a platform with high-tech uh, social-emotional skills as well as the academic curriculum to prepare parents uh, and their children for, um, I think, the, um, the, the resilience and that they need to have in order to sustain this period, a very difficult period in American history. All right, then. Uh, where can people uh, reach uh, you with Urban Tech to support what you're doing, Patricia? Would you uh, would you repeat that? How, how can folks reach you at Urban Tech? How do they get to us? Yes. Okay, well, they can come to pcp.urbantech.org um, and visit our website and get all the information about our program um, and then give us a call if there are any questions or if they would like to have us come to the community and make sure that their parents are trained. All right then. Patricia, I, pre I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Uh, Greg, this, this thing is, look, you're experiencing that, Greg, right there with Howard University. HBCUs are experiencing that. Uh, and we're talking about college students. I mean, my goodness, if we start talking about elementary kids and middle school students and high school students, uh, it becomes even more of a problem. I mean, this is, look, I keep telling everybody, okay, y'all need, need to forget this nonsense that we're going to be back in classrooms in January. No, at the earliest, we're not going to be back in classrooms until fall 2021. At the earliest. I'm not even confident about fall of 2021. This is going to be an issue for us. Absolutely. It is, uh, and, and, and I won't call it the new normal because the old normal wasn't good. Um, and this isn't good, but it has the potential to be something very different. It is the end in, in many ways of the university as we knew it prior to this spring. Um, you said, Roland, I think you put it beautifully, brother, and very succinctly. Everything has everything has been laid bare. And what we're seeing on a day when New York City announced that they now are fully open, uh, but it's about 50-50, uh, about half of the students in the New York City public schools are, are live class. They started elementary school kids a couple of uh, weeks ago, but about 500, almost 500,000 students have elected not to go. They're going to stay at home. We're not going back. If this virus disappeared tomorrow, inshallah, if it was to happen, but we're not going back to the world before because what has been revealed is what is essential to learning and what is not essential to learning. There's a whole generation of administrators who are going to have some defending their jobs to do. Oh, yeah, you go. going back yep. into these brick and mortar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when you're talking to this sister, well, I'm listening to you talking to Sister Bransford, who's been in this for a very long time, who came up through IBM, you know, came out of North Carolina through Washington, D.C., these barriers, and is now trying to figure it out. Trust me, you know, none of us have the answer, but I can tell you right now, education is about teaching and learning. And what this country is going to have to learn now is that there is no substitute for supporting teachers who have content mastery and the capacity students acquire it and those soft skills and those transferable skills. So we're not going back to the way it was, brother. This is the end of education as we knew it. So if we don't do something, we're going to see 
not only declining enrollment, because we are seeing these students, K-12, I'm talking to teachers every day, they are literally disappearing from these virtual classrooms, brother. We're going to have to invent education in this country. I won't say reinvent, because public education was never a priority in the United States of America. See, Reese, the, the reason why, and, and let me be clear to our people uh, in this segment, we're not just going to be doing um, school choice and charter schools and stuff like that in the segment. It's an education segment. And I've had people, Reese, I, I, I don't know why, you know, it's like, you trying to end public education? I'm like, no, I'm not. I said, but also, I ain't stupid. Mm-hmm. My deal has always been, if there's a mechanism that's created where we can teach our own, I'm 100% down with it. Like, I told people, I can't be against damn charter schools or online school, but then I support HBCUs. Mm-hmm. To me, same thing. It's the same thing for me. And so here's the opportunities with, 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 with why we had them on. And I keep saying to other ple- black people, y'all, this is a moment of opportunity, black people. If black people who understand technology can come up right now with ways to educate our children virtually, this is the moment. I, I got to find the photo. I, did y'all see a photo of a brother? I think he was in Nigeria, Kenya, or Ghana. And he had, it was an amazing photo. I, man, I wish I could find it. He had 50 or 60 monitors. I did see that, yeah. And he had each one of his students in the monitor. And he was sort of looking like Captain Kirk, standing in the center and was sitting here educating those children in sort of this virtual classroom. I need black people to say, yo, we got the smarts, we got the knowledge. We can create our own online digital learning modules right now and then do it, test it, retest it, and then take it to the districts and say, "Uh, we found a much better way to educate these kids than what y'all doing right now. That, to me, Reese, is the opportunity for black people right now. And I think that people are going to seize that opportunity, but I think parents, more importantly, are going to seize the opportunity because parents, a lot of parents are frustrated with the with the quality of uh, virtual education. I think that everybody appreciates teachers and the remarkable challenge that they're trying to uh, overcome in these unprecedented times, but a lot of my friends are reach are, are finding their own resources, finding their own curriculums, finding uh, partic- people on YouTube channels that 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 are more engaging for their kids. And so I do think that there is going to be a, a different market for it. But we also have to take into account the affordability thing. We're all paying taxes for public schools. And so what happens when those um, become less effective, when the when the um, the attendance goes down and things like that and parents have to supplement what they're already paying in taxes to try to find curriculums that work for their students. I know that one of my friends, for instance, is, uh, you know, people have recommended curriculums that are $200 or programs that are several hundred dollars. Well, that is unaffordable when you're already, you know, you're already paying taxes and you already have all these other challenges presented by COVID. So I do think that there's going to be a new education economy. And I think that people are going to, whether it's on the books or off the books, find a way to keep their kids engaged as much as possible. And we just have to, I don't know, hope that 
um, that these programs are in fact effective. And I think that what you, the key to what you said is that test the programs for their efficacy and not just, hey, this is something that's just fun, but then the kids are still falling behind. I think the testing part is crucial, but then who's evaluating the test? That's another crucial part of it as well. Erica? Sure, and I mean, this is a moment where parents are overwhelmed. You have a lot of the kids that are suffering, their parents are essential workers, and so they're toggling between COVID-19, appropriate housing for their children, and now particularly for people that have um, two, three, four, five children, have large families, having to toggle that responsibility um, amongst all of those children. So I, you want to just add this, you know, one of um, a 2013 report that um, our guest, Ms. Um, Patricia, <clears throat> um, she cited the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development in 2013 said that the United States, particularly youth and adults, were less proficient or far behind proficiency as it relates to literacy, math, and tech-rich problem solving. So when we kind of think about that's where we were in 2013, and as Dr. Carr said, that this country does not place public education educations as a priority, we're looking at 2020, where we're really at a definitive time. It's not just about the schools being able to collect additional dollars for having bodies, but also making sure that under these circumstances that kids are learning and thriving, particularly those kids that were not already learning and thriving and needed extra attention. So I think that this is a moment where it's kind of, there's a lot that's happening, but as you said, this is an opportunity. Our children through the school system have been treated disproportionately um, bad as it relates to the school resource officers, teachers who are largely white, not having interaction with black male teachers or black teachers, um, some throughout their entire K through 12 career. So the reimagining part or the actual start of something new, considering all of those factors, where parents are, are they being impacted by not having access to broadband because of rural areas or in urban areas where they live or the affordability to come together, put all those pieces together. And I believe that there is something that we can essentially come up with that will be far more powerful. It will also help to keep our kids safe, let them thrive in an environment where they feel and see people that look like them, and then also really put us in a place where we'll be able to compete um, on not just nationwide, but on a global scale because of this uh, different approach that's taken. A final comment back to you, Greg. You made this point earlier. It, you're right. It is going to also cause some people to now have to really deal with how they're spending resources, how they're allocating resources, and is also about to expose some folk who ain't needed in education. <laughs> Roland, you know, it's funny. I, I think it's it, it, what you said earlier, again, all has been revealed. Once you flatten the access, and it, certainly what, what, especially what Erica just said about and, and, you know, Reese's saying folks are looking for alternatives. They're looking any and everywhere. But once you've taken away the brick and mortar, somebody like the sister, the 80-year-old sister who's got her iPad says she don't want her TV. She can click from one website to the other, has access to all those news shows, and this one. Because people are intelligent. They can make a choice. Teachers are now being revealed of who's teaching and who's not teaching. Now, as yes. far as I'm concerned, I can't imagine. At, as somebody who is virtually, I'm I'm almost always analog, brother. You know, I need <laughs> the book, I need the paper, I right. need to write. 
But this thing forced me into cyberspace. So guess what? The folks who have been hiding behind the prestigious university name and the three or four books and the conversation, guess what? All on the screen now. Click, 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 click. And what's being revealed is quality will emerge. And so now this is the moment for black institutions to reveal to the world the thing that has made for all along. We know that there's an absolute importance for human beings to be together because we are social creatures. So there is there's something that's happening to us right now that we haven't even begun to realize is there. That's a real fear of mine coming up. What's going to happen while this separation? But since we are apart, this is the moment for us to study what makes us unique and put it out there in the world. YouTube is all these people watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right now. Before this thing hit, some of them would have been flipping the, the, the screen on TV or been out in the street. This is changing the way people are thinking about consuming information. And when we go back to whatever we were going back to that we're going to bring forward, because much of it's going to fall away, as I said, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to need to justify their salaries on those tuition bills that people are getting. And I don't care whether it's private school or public school. The cost of education now, all, um, all the money that's not going to teaching and learning, people gonna have to do, got some explaining to do now because mm -hmm. it's clearly not something that's helping us right now. And the question then becomes, why do we need all that? All right, mm -hmm. that's folks. Every Thursday, you'll be able to see our segment, Education Matters. Go right to... All right, folks, we come back on Roller Martin Unfiltered. The governor of Alabama apologizes to one of the sisters uh, who was hurt in the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. And we'll talk about the California law that could lead to reparations in that state. All of that next on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Alabama Governor Kay Ivey extends an apology to the surviving fifth girl of 1963 KKK bombing at 16th Street Baptist Church. Sarah Collins Rudolph was 12 years old when the explosion of a bomb planted by the KKK went off in the basement, outside of the basement of the 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Rudolph's sister and three other young girls were killed. The apology comes 57 years later and after multiple pleas for an apology, compensation, restitution for the decades of physical and emotional suffering she has endured. Well, we'll see if that money comes next, Reese, but this is obviously, uh, it, it, it does matter. Uh, but the reality is this here. Alabama had state-sanctioned racism. Those individuals mm -hmm. were acquitted. Later, they were found guilty when now Senator Doug Jones was the U.S. attorney there. But this black woman has endured pain, physical mm -hmm. pain, for 57 years and has had to pay for it herself. Yeah, it is um, very, very, very belated. But um, I can't help but feel like it's still a welcome development. Um, you know, we always talk about what justice looks like in 
I don't know if it's possible to give anybody justice in this circumstances, but um, I, I just think that it's it's long overdue. I think that it's 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 a positive development that it's happening right now. And um, you mentioned Doug Jones. I just want to mention that he's um, running for re-election too, and he's he's in a very close race. And so these are the kinds of things that help remind people of the differences between our elected officials and the people that are supposed to fight for us, and the 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 the, the elected officials and the people who are actually leading with some sort of moral courage and conscience in this nation. Absolutely. And when we talk about uh, again history. Uh, Eric, I mean, these things, I mean, you know, when we talk about impact of racism, and, and this is where I think one of the mistakes, and I'm going to talk about the California bill in a second, when people bring up reparations, when, you, when folks talk about slavery, I'm not ignoring slavery, but what you have to understand is that when you're in that particular battle and dealing with people who say, well, I'm not going to pay for something that happened uh, in the 1800s, here's the deal. Housing discrimination uh, laws in housing still impact black people today. There are millions of black people who are alive today who were negatively, directly impacted by federal housing laws. Individuals who were impacted by state laws, impacted by city laws as well. Here's a case where here's a black woman still living who was a child uh, in 1963 who to, the, to this day is still being impacted by the legacy of Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. Cut the damn check. That's what I have to say to KIV in the state of Alabama, particularly when you look on her website and there is no mention um, of uh, Miss uh, Rollins, Miss Williams Rollins on her page and that she's working towards um, providing some type of restitution or something um, related to her apology is nowhere on her uh, governor's website. I, and the, the other thing that really struck me about uh, this um black woman is um, powerful black woman is that not only has she endured the loss of her sister, but then the loss of an eye in addition to doing physical labor for the past 50 plus years, being a housekeeper and factory worker without health care, cut the damn check. That's it. You're talking about every time somebody comes around this moment when it's memorialized and they're talking about it in speeches, Effectively, she is a part of that moment. The PTSD is definitely off of the chain, and this country owes her restitution. Cut the damn check. Greg, um, again, there are so many other cases in uh, individuals uh, who have had to deal with injustice, who've had to deal with uh, the, the, the legacy of racism. And, and again, I think... Um, how we talk about it and how we walk people through it and explain these things uh, is critically important uh, because, again, I, I get a kick out of what was it uh, when, um, what was it? it was recently, they were, I forgot whatever the issue was, and they were bringing up something and they talked about uh, slavery and then they jumped to present day. And I was like, I'm sorry, y- y- y'all can't skip over. <laughs> I'm like... Mm-hmm. How y'all ass want to skip over 1865 to 1877 Reconstruction and then with the Great Compromise of 1877, 92 on, years brother. of Jim Crow? I'm like, no, 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 you can't just, you just can't skip over and act like, I don't know what it was when Bill Barr 
And Bill Barr said, well, you know, oh, uh, you know, other than the period of slavery, which was another kind of restraint, um, there's been no other time in American history like we're seeing with these masks. I'm like, your ass ain't going to skip all them damn decades of Jim Crow, pimp. <laughs> well, he can skip it rolling, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I ain't going to let him skip it. Well, no. See, you know what? And that's the beautiful thing about you, brother. Again, Cleo always says this, is your ethic. You ain't letting nobody get away with anything. Some of us, I mean, I'm looking at that toad like we don't live in the same country anyway. We're going to break your whole political back, young fella. So, but but you, you, yeah, you you want, you're going to hold everybody to the same account. Roland, it's not ancient history. Cat, uh, Carolyn Bryant Donham still walks to earth. The mm -hmm. accuser that got Emmett Till killed. So Mike mm -hmm. Epstein is going to need y'all to come out and break the back of Cindy Hyde in the state of Mississippi, right. in Alabama. Coach That's Tuberville, right. shout out Coach Tuberville. All them black men helping you try to win some games at Auburn. And Charles Barkley out here talking crazy out of both sides of his mouth. Uh, Coach Tuberville, you need to have your political back broken by black people and white human beings in the state of Alabama. K.I.V. K.I.V. Erica's right. Cut the check, because guess what? Sarah Collins Rudolph, who lost her sister, Addie Mae Collins, you know, the 15th of September fell on a Tuesday this year. I was in class and I paused to spend the first 30 minutes of our Education in Black America class to talk about the death of those six children that died in Birmingham that day because Addie Mae Collins died. Sir, uh, Collins' uh, sister. And if you ever watch Spike Lee's Four Little Girls, you hear Sarah Collins talking and it make you weep openly when she says, you know, you know, it looks like that thing me as she's talking. A woman, as you just heard Erica say, who worked her whole life. And it was, you know, Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robinson, Carol Denise McNair, those four girls at the Sixth Street Baptist Church. And then later in that day, Johnny Robinson shot by a punk police. And then they have an a Klan rally celebrating the killing and young Virgil Ware delivering newspapers with his brother dies in his brother's arms as a cracker shoots him off of his bike. There were six mm. children that died that day. But as we paused mm. to take 30 minutes to look at a brother, a great artist, one of our great artists, Daoud Bey, who did something called the Birmingham Project. I played it to talk about those six children. And we talked because he, Daoud Bey says, a little boy, I saw a picture of this girl who survived the bombing with these cotton patches over her eyes in a book called The Movement that the Rain Hansberry wrote the words for. That was Sarah Collins Rudolph with those two patches. And she lost, as Erica said, one of those eyes. And Daoud Bey did this piece. I stopped playing it, finally rolling. One of the young people unmuted themselves in a hundred persons in class. This is the magic of a black college, brother. And this is why learning is transformative. We watched that. We talked, and then I, and I said, let's talk about this. One of the children unmuted herself. I say children. One of these young teenagers unmuted themselves and said, Dr. Carr, John Cross, who was the pastor of 16th Street Baptist Church that Sunday morning, that's my granddaddy. Jesus. And then she started talking about, so this is not ancient history. Kay Ivy, mm -hmm. you're going to be dead in dust. Your great-grandchildren will be dead in dust. This place will be reconstructed whether you want it or not. It's time to break the back everybody who's going to stand in the way of the humanity because those six children that died that that Birmingham Sunday they will be avenged whether you all like it or not Let's talk about what happened in mm. California where historic law was passed California became the first state to adopt a law that paves the way for black residents and descendants of slaves to receive reparation payments Legislation does not commit to any specific amount however it does establish a nine-person task force 
that will study the impact of slavery on black people in California. Then they will recommend what kind of compensation should be provided, who should receive it, and what form it will take. This, legis this legislation was authored by Assemblywoman Shirley Weber. Governor Gavin Newsom signed the law Wednesday afternoon. Reese. I think that um, this is where it starts. I mean, I, I know that it's people don't like the idea of commissions and it's not fast enough and they want to check. But I, I mean, I think this is a great start. Uh, currently, the H.R. 40 commission is held in limbo in both the House and the Senate. And so I think it's going to take the state's leading the charge. Dr. Carr mentioned, you know, how um, California is setting itself up for a different reason. But um, shout out to to this black this black um, elected official in California for leading the charge on this. And uh, CC Ice Cube, this is part of your black agenda. <laughs> so this is one of those things where this is where when, when people want to talk about uh, demand something for your vote and when they want to talk about you know, no, no tangibles and this and the other. Like I suggested to Ice Cube, get behind the people that are actually pushing forth these initiatives. Actually, educate people about these initiatives and 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 push it forward. Just like the Crown Act started in California with Senator Holly Mitchell in there, yep, yep. and now it's 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 moved across the country and it's even making some headway in the Senate and in the House. This is where it starts. And so, all of the people out there, if you have a platform, if you have a voice. You should be celebrating this, not to say that it's enough, but it's a start. And this is the kinds of stuff that people say they want. And so when it actually comes about, let's make sure that we keep the momentum going and we and we and we spread it to other areas. Greg. No, I agree. Reese is absolutely right. By the way, uh, it was like the Crown Act is effective today in the state of Maryland. Uh my sister, who you've had on the show, Ajwa Batme Azmoa, who has been a, a moving force behind the Crown Act, celebrating it, it spread, as Reese said, all over, and it starts in California. And Reese, I think, I think Q may have heard you because he was actually <laughs> on the virtual signing and helped uh, uh, the, the leader of the California uh, legislative Democrat Legislative Caucus, Shirley Weber, uh, to help get okay. this passed. So I think he, he might oh, be God. listening. I think, he might, but but Shirley Nash Weber, I must say this about a single woman. Uh, Weber from the 79th uh, Legislative District there in California. She is a professor emeritus of Africana Studies at San Diego State University. She retired from the academy and in the legislature pushed through the Ethnic Studies Bill, this reparations bill. And if you get a chance to read AB 3121, this bill, it's actually superior in many ways to HR 40. It's a very elaborate bill to study and to make proposals, which include apologies, which include trying to figure out who will get it, how they'll get it, uh, all kinds of delivery systems. It's very, she was the president for two years of the National Council of Black Studies. Uh, she is living evidence, this black woman, who is a, a leader in the California state legislature. She is living evidence of why it's important to study your history and culture. It isn't just politicians being politicians. You ought to have some content and some knowledge. And then you can go to a celebrity like Cube and say, hey man, put this on your platform and move with it. And he said, okay, I'm gonna do that. You can go to your fellow legislators and say, let's get this passed. And she wrote that legislation with the knowledge built on 40 years of teaching and studying Experience and teaching young people. So shout out to Assemblywoman uh, Shirley Nash. That's a great job. Uh, I do want to get to this story here, uh, Erica. Federal law enforcement officials were told to make public comment sympathetic 
to Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old white supremacist charged with fatally shooting two protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin. The internal Department of Homeland Security talking points suggested that they note that he took his rifle to the scene of the rioting to help defend small business owners. The talking points also say Kyle, quote, Kyle was seen being chased and attacked by rioters before allegedly shooting three of them, killing two. The document instructs officials if they are asked about Rittenhouse to say they are not going to comment on an ongoing investigation and to say that what I will say is that Rittenhouse, just like everyone else in America, is innocent until proven guilty and deserves a fair trial based on all the facts, not just the ones that support a certain narrative. This is why we try the accused in the court of law and not the star chamber of public, public uh, opinion. Bottom line here, Erica, uh, Donald Trump pretty much followed those talking points. This is how, again, how this administration, how they provide aid and comfort to white supremacists. Yeah, I'm so glad that you made that point on mainstream media today. For anybody that didn't catch rolling on Ari Melber's uh, The Beat, you need to go back and uh, watch that again because he definitely pushed back with the two panelists uh, that were on with you. But I'll say that this is more par for the course of this necrotic regime, particularly when you think about the Department of Homeland Security was stood up under the George W. Bush administration right after uh, 9-11 and essentially, Americans, uh, uh, not all, but there was just really a snatching away of some democratic rights um, and that we're seeing that more and more being exploited by this particular regime around metadata collection, around surveillance, um, and really around the intrusion of privacy. And so those statements um, are is another reason for me that I don't give kudos to people that have served in this regime who come out and say that, well, you know, people lost to these are the things that happened during the time that they served. They collected a nice taxpayer uh, funded check. Um, and so to serve and then to come out to tell us pretty much what we already know and give some more inside details does not get an applause from um, from me, uh, at least. So for me, this is more par for the course when you look at Ken Cuccinelli, who I'm still trying to figure out and understand how in the world is he still serving in DHS when He's uh, been seen to uh, not only lie, which is kind of uh, an ingredient for being in this regime, but he's really kind of inflated the different roles that he's uh, is eligible to serve within DHS. So this really is, I think, another reason that people need to engage in this general election, 2020 general election that our sister Reese refers to as a 20. This is a generational election, not just a general election. Because you want to see um, these uh, different federal agencies that are pretty much uh, sycophantic to this uh, regime leader, you want to see those people fired, replaced, and other people either confirmed or appointed to those particular positions. But for me, I wasn't surprised by it. Uh, very uh, much so not surprised also the language that was used because it's right. kind of um, more of the same with mainstream media as well, too. And that's what, and again, Reese, uh, I keep making the point, uh, when you said it earlier, uh, you look at this administration, this is what happens when you put white supremacists in power. Right. This is, this is, like I said, it's beyond an infiltration. This is a complete takeover. This is state-sanctioned vigilantism, which I think is a, actually a generous word for uh, white supremacist terrorism. But this is coming from the top, from the Chad Wolfs and the Ken Cuccinellis, who are basically aiding and abetting criminals. And so that is this mm -hmm. is what truly worries me. Uh, another four years of a Donald Trump Erica, you missed it this week. I'm assuming you're going to work it in there. 
Um, but uh, the white national, you haven't said it yet, so, uh, so I don't want to steal your thunder. Um, you better say but, it, sis. <laughs> well, when you have a son of a Klansman, to borrow from, from Eric, she said when you have a son of a Klansman who is running the government and who has his deputies, who are deputy Klansmen at this point, that's just, to be honest, what they are. Yeah. It really concerns me. We see a constant escalation of the boldness of, the, of them being emboldened and of them being more reckless. At one point I wanted to make earlier was we saw, and you probably, I'm sure we've talked about this before, where in 2016, the Trump campaign marked black voters deterrence, right? They wanted yes, to deter yeah. us. Now they have the yeah, full yeah. power of the government to deter us from actually filling out the census. That's what Wilbur Ross is doing. That's what we had an extensive discussion on. And so we've seen the same thing happening when it comes to the way that white supremacists are treated. It started years ago when um, when Donald Trump said, rough up the protesters. And now they're sanctioning, they're passing out water. I mean, this isn't the federal government, but it's all shit is rolling downhill. It's all starting from the top. The fish rots from the head. I think I said that right. This is what we have to really be concerned about for the next four years is a further emboldened white nationalist, white domestic terrorist groups feeling like they have free license, they're deputized from the Trump administration itself. All right, y'all. Y'all know what time it is. No charcoal girls are allowed. I'm white. I got you, bro. Illegally selling water with our permit? On my property. Whoa! Yeah. Oh, I wish I was there when this happened. On today's episode of Crazy Ass White People, a young black woman in Leesburg, Virginia, was harassed and bombarded with racial slurs and met with physical contact. Ding my window, right? I guess. Do it again. Go fuck again. yourself, you, you Indian, bitch. Window, bitch. You Indian bitch. Get the bitch. fuck out of my I'm country, Indian, Indian bitch. Greg, you know, I'm first of all, I live in Leesburg. I'm trying to figure out where in the hell that CVS is because I want to drive by there every single day. I know you do, brother. <laughs> I was, wait, I was watching that it. video like, okay, let me see if I can make out that car. <laughs> then I can figure bro, out where that... Bro. I saw the Harris Teeter in the seat. You know what? Okay, mm -hmm. hold up. Harris Teeter in the seat. No. Roll that, hold up. Roll that back. Roll, roll that video <laughs> back because I, no. I want to spot exactly bro. where that damn uh, CVS is. I think I know exactly... As I'm looking at Rolling. it, now, I'm looking it, at it. I'm trying. I'm trying to see. Hold up. That's a CVS. Please, I'm looking Please. at the. I'm looking at the no. building. Now, if there's no. a, if there's a Shell gas station to the left of that CVS, no. I know exactly where that CVS is. <laughs> His ass gonna make me. I'm trying. If she turned that camera, hold on. If she turned that camera, what? I'm, Wait a minute, bro. Hold up. I'm looking at the monitor. Come on, come on. Hold up. Let me. Look. Okay, hold up. Turn that camera. There's a bank. It looks like a bank. Hold on. That's a bank right bro. there. Oh, that's the Harris T. That she moved it too fast. 
I I think I know what I think I know. Hold up, I'm gonna have to find that CVS because I'm, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pay a visit. Go, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to go pick up some 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 band aids or something, Greg. That's right. That's right. That's why you want to go there to get band aids because if Robert or Scott were here right now and I'll stand in for them without being of counsel, I would tell I would say you they what they would say to you is. You don't want to be doing that, brother. No, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna drive by, uh, and and my big ass navigator, little bit ass car he got. I just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gonna drive by, uh, Reese. I'm just, you know, you know, I'm just gonna do a little house call. <laughs> this is no, why I've been telling people: carry that mace. Shh, your mouth is open. <laughs> Shh, it's all hey, in your mouth now. now. Can't get it in your eyes. Hey, all I know is it. I feel threatened. Uh, my life is in danger. Hey, Erica, if you come near, if you come near my car, I'm about to stand my ground, and don't be surprised if your ass get hit by that door. Let me tell you something. It is nothing but the grace and the blessing of the Lord that they have not ran into an Erica or a Reese. That was a lot of talking that was going on, and definitely not Imagine. advocating for people to be violent. However, when we're in an environment of COVID, first of all, you shall not transmit airborne particles to this Ooh. one because when you do now i'm taking that as a threat and an attack on my life and you're gonna get all these hands which is built on lots of military experience plus i was raised by a marine do not play i believe that these individuals almost kind of know who to target um so mm -hmm. to speak but a lot of conversation, a lot of boldness. He got one foot in the grave and one on the earth. Uh, he could have got it. I'm just, I'm, look, I, hey, all I'm saying is if folk want to keep sitting here playing these games, y'all going to get hurt. I'm, I'm just, I'm I keep telling these folk y'all going to get hurt if y'all keep playing these games because, hmm. look, this is a whole different crew now. Uh, and I, 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 I'm gonna leave y'all the last story we about to go. Uh, we were, uh, I remember me and my boy, we were in Arlington, Texas. Michael Williams, Michael, big time black Republican. Hey, he's a good brother. We, uh, his wife Donna, Prairie and him graduate. Man, we were sitting there playing golf. Uh, and uh, I don't know what happened. We were either, we were on a tee box. We were just talking or whatever. I guess this white boy thought we were too loud. Uh, and he says something, he says something to us. And then all I know, me, me and Michael were like, hey, you better take some of that goddamn bass out your voice. <laughs> I love it. And to, and to, I'm telling you, uh, look, I'm look, I will let cats know. I will let cats know. Y'all, we're going to end the show with this. Sharana story, sent this tweet. Y'all go to my iPad. Woo, listen to Africana Car on Rolex Martin. Make me want to go grab my black combat boots, my black beret, and my black N95 <laughs> mask and stand by, not down. Woo, that black empowerment talk got me trying to stay ready. <laughs> if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Can she said she's getting all please. her black gear. Can we take black a minute, black, please, black. To, to appreciate the fact that in addition to being brilliant and powerful and forceful, that we have two of the most beautiful black women on the earth on Thursday nights here. So I just want to take a moment <laughs> to, to say that. Well, I, I, well, I, I take, I take the moment to say uh, we got beautiful black women on the show Monday through Friday. Oh, Monday through Friday go. for sure. There but I'm go. just saying, since I get to be here I Thursday, you. I don't overlook the fact that... I, I look, got you, but you ain't going to get me in trouble with the other women who come on the show. 
<laughs> oh no 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 of course but but let's just be very clear you know these sisters right here look i don't know what I, i'm sorry daniel cameron bro you need to turn on roland martin unfiltered and change your ways well mm -hmm. well all i know is tomorrow tomorrow by noon tomorrow by no tomorrow by noon tomorrow by noon he got he gotta have them damn tapes in he gotta have them tapes okay. in so uh we're gonna be covering that tomorrow uh, right here on Roller Mart Unfiltered. Big shout out to Reese, Greg, and Erica. Thank you for joining us uh, on the panel. Uh, and uh, wait a minute, hold. Where, 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 where my girl Chandra? Who, who's the one? Yeah. Oh, oh tell Doctor Carl, <laughs> I'm crushing on him, and I will be we... his future wife. Greg got oh. a stalker. All right, y'all, we got to go. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Keep it real. Keep it black. Stay strong. And if anybody want to try to give you hell, you tell them, Team Whip That Ass will show up. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.